Welcome to the Liberal Conservative Podcast. Today we're going to discuss a major hot-button issue in the world today, and that's called social justice reform. Um, before we get started, I'm going to give you full disclosure for those who haven't listened before. I'm a retired police officer, and I'm a current teacher. Um, on top of that, I was a U.S. Navy veteran, so I've had, I've had three careers. Two of my careers, military and law enforcement, are generally filled by more conservative men and women. Now, in the teaching profession, um, I'm generally more conservative than the teachers that I work with. Or, you know, teaching is generally filled with more liberal men and women. So I'm probably one of the most liberal police officers that you'll ever find, ex-police officers now. Um, yeah, as I just said, I tend to be more conservative than my peers in teaching. Okay, so let's get started with social justice reform. So I would say dating back probably until Barack Obama, when Barack Obama was uh, elected president, the trend in the United States has been for the media to turn way more liberal. Um, I, I don't know that that's because Barack Obama was elected president. I mean, your leader definitely has, has an effect on the the media as well as, as the political climate and his citizens. So it could be because of Barack Obama was, was president. But anyway, when he was elected is when it seems like to me when when the media started turning more liberal. So I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I believe the media should be unbiased. That's probably not really um, reality. So even if you go back even to when George Washington was president, um, the the newspapers who opposed his views, you know, he was probably decently conservative. The the newspapers that posed that opposed his views, they would bring newspapers to his house and drop them off, just so we could see people were were not fully with him. So in in today's in today's media, I mean, you have CNN who's who's extremely liberal. You have Fox News who is extremely conservative. You have some other sources such as The View who is extremely liberal, and you have um, guys like Tucker Carlson who was a former Fox News pundit who is now on internet talk shows. He is extremely, extremely conservative. So as I told you before, I try to get my news from multiple sources. I read CNN and Fox every day. Um, I read the AP, the, the BBC, and Daily Mail, everything. I get a lot of news from Europe and European sources. Their take on American politics is, is, in my opinion, they view us as circus politics. So I got off topic there for a little bit. Let me get back on topic. Today's podcast, let's get started. It's social justice reform. So what if I told you that everything the media has told you about social justice reform is false? So, um, you know, we've been going... Th- about social justice from the wrong direction. And, and and I will say that again. We've been going about social justice reform from the wrong direction. So one of the major issues today is the media, including social media. Man, citizens are so harsh to people. You know, they jump on anybody who disagrees with them. The cancel culture is just out of control. Um, whether you're liberal or conservative, it just scare you that some of the college campuses today are banning um, mainly conservative voices who are opposed to the the student body and their and their views. So um, when I talk today, some people today are going to probably call me racist because of my views. However, I believe my views are more to the liberal side. So and 
calling me racist is the furthest thing from the truth because I am a guy who, who just prides myself in, in not being judgmental and, and judging on the content of your culture as, or the content of their character as, uh, as Martin Luther King Jr. once said. So I want to be the guy or help the people who change the course of America and make it more fair and equitable. So uh, I'm going to throw out some statistics for you. So today, in today's America, African Americans make up about 14% of the population. So based on 2019 FBI crime statistics, African Americans commit 26.6 of all crimes, including everything from murder to gambling to DUI, you know, everything. The overwhelming majority of, of violent crimes, about 51 to 52%, are committed by African Americans. Um, and I say overwhelming majority. What I mean is um, African Americans make up 14% of the population, yet the majority of violent crimes, 51 to 52%, are committed by African Americans. 51.2% um, of murders were committed by African Americans in 2019, and 52.7% of robberies were committed by African Americans. So the overwhelming majority, like I said, of, of violent crimes are committed by African-Americans. And so the overwhelming majority of those violent crimes committed by African-Americans are also committed by African-American men. Okay, so we have about 7%, if you split the 14% right in half, 7% of the population committing about 50% of violent crimes. And we have 7% of the population committing about 25% of crimes overall. So let's, let me break that down to you in a different way. Every time a police officer responds to a violent crime, there's a 50% chance the officer encounters a suspect who is an African-American male. And like I said, who make up only 7% of the population. So every time that a police officer responds to a, a just a call for service for a crime, not necessarily call for service, but anytime they respond to a crime, one out of every four of those calls an officer responds to, they're going to come in contact with an African-American male as the suspect. Once again, they make up 7% of the population. So if you take those numbers alone, you know, 25% of all crimes and 50% of, of violent crimes that officers respond to, they come in contact with the suspect who is African-American male. With those numbers alone, you would expect police officers to have violent encounters way more often uh, with African-American men, right? I mean, that just makes sense. And However, I'll point out later that this is really not the case. So if as a country, if we were able to turn those numbers around, if, if police officers encounter an African-American male 7% of the time when he or she responds to a violent crime, and what if a police officer responded to any crime and he encounters a male suspect 7% of the time instead of 25% of the crime? So for violent crimes, you would reduce police encounters with African-American males from one out of two to less than one out of 10. So for, for crimes overall, you would reduce police encounters with African-American males from one out of four to less than one out of 10 again. So, I mean, those numbers are really astounding. As a society, if we quit blaming police officers for violent encounters and start fixing the root of the problem, we'd be a much better country. So. Now, I'm not naive. I can't sit here and say there are never unjustified uses of force by police officers because the bottom line is there are, right? But what I can say that it, that when I was a police officer, the race of a, never, of a person never 
not one time came to mind as I responded to a crime. So I never, not one time, stopped a man because of the color of his skin. So what we need to do, we need to find a way to make crime statistics match the makeup of our population. So the media and most liberal politicians want to blame police officers for issues with social justice. And I believe now is not the time to place blame. First of all, we've been placing blame on police officers for as long as I've been alive and, and nothing has changed, right? Crime statistics have, have remained relatively the same. So as a society, if we, if we blame police officers for the issues, um, you know, we're going about it the wrong way. Crime statistics are what they are. So I just think we need to fix them. And how do we do that? So I have, I have some ideas. Some of my experiences, some came from my experience as a police officer. You know, some came from my experience as a teacher. As I said earlier, uh, that based on crime statistics, uh, police should, be, should have more deadly force encounters with African-Americans than they actually do. And I'm going to give you some numbers to back that up. These are statistics from the 2019 crime numbers, which were published in the Washington Post, which is one of the most liberal media outlets, as we know, right? Once again, these are not my numbers. These are statistics, statistics compiled by the government from the, by the Washington Post. And so in 2019, officers fatally shot 1,004 people, most of whom were armed or otherwise dangerous. African-Americans were about a quarter of those killed by officers. There, that number was 235, a ratio that's pretty much remained sta uh, stable since 2015. So now keep in mind, for violent crimes, we have 7% of the population committing about 50% of the crime. And based on, based on the roughly 1,000 people killed by police in 2019, if you go by statistics, there should be about 500 African-American males killed by police. And that, st that statistical number is actually about double than what it really was. So the, uh, the police fatally shot nine unarmed African-Americans and 19 unarmed white Americans in 2019. And I believe the media would want you to believe that the number was astronomically higher. And I believe most citizens believe that because the news has told them. Okay. In 2018, there were 7,407 African-American homicide victims. These numbers are comparable to most years. And if you use roughly 7,400 black homicide victims in 2019, the nine unarmed American, African-Americans that were killed by the police make up 0.1% of black homicide victims. I believe the false narrative that's being pushed by politicians and the media has caused more distrust of police by the black community and caused the deaths of multiple officers because ambushes are up, right? And I'll tell you one thing, Barack Obama once said, American, African-American parents were right to believe that their children would be killed by the police whenever they go outside. And to me, that is one of the most outlandish statements ever, ever uttered by a president, right? Irresponsible. The numbers don't back up his claim. And to me, he's part of the problem right now. He, he spouts off a lot. And I will tell you, I voted for him. So, I mean, I hate that for him. Guess what sound that is? That is your weekly headline sound. So let's get started with your weekly crazy headlines of the day. The first one comes from CNN, and it's talking about congressional Democrats. The headline reads, Congressional Democrats press Biden to use every possible tool to combat gun, gun violence. Um, 
House and Senate Democrats are pushing Biden to push to use the full power of the executive branch to combat, combat gun violence. The politicians outline steps for Biden that he could take without congressional approval. One of those proposals would incentivize gun manufacturers to decline to sell what they call military-grade weapons. One problem I see with this is the ATF has problem even defining military-grade weapons or assault weapons. They can't even define what that is, yet they want Biden to take executive action to ban them. In addition, they want to set up a code of conduct for weapons manufacturers who want to procure government contracts. My problem with this is the government wants to dictate to a private company how their business is ran and who they sell their goods to. And this almost goes back to the COVID restrictions when the government told the businesses that they, they could, who, you know, when they could be open, who they could serve, and how they serve as customers. I hope this doesn't happen. I think regardless of what side you, you believe gun control needs to be, um, when you go around the Constitution, I think there's an issue. So, and here is... At line number two from Fox News, it says Comer de- demands the state's department explain sudden decisions leading to the firing of Ukrainian prosecutor programming, uh, probing Burisma. Burisma Holding was the company that Hunter Biden was on the board of directors. Uh, this story, in my, in my opinion, is actually extremely important, even if it's from Fox News. Um, the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is demanding answers from the State Department on foreign policy decisions during the Obama administration that led to the firing of the Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating Burisma Holding, uh, while Hunter Biden, like I just said, sat on the board. Um, in the past, you remember Joe Biden even bragged in an interview about threatening to withhold funds from the Ukon- from the Ukraine if they did not fire the prosecutor. And I remember he said, "And what do you know? He got fired." So. Um, if this, in my opinion, you know, in my opinion, if Joe Biden is going to have a rough time in this in his last year as president. So it appears the Republicans are going to call for Biden to be impeached. And so I don't I do believe this is probably retaliation for Democrats investigating the Russian collusion theory. You know, you know, that was proved to be fake. Um, I think now it's kind of gone, gone tit for tat politics between the two parties. I fear that every president in the future who favor faces a Congress that has a different ruling party um, is going to be impeached. Um, you know, prior to Bill Clinton, only in history, only one president had been impeached. That was Andrew Johnson, and that was a strictly uh, political impeachment. Uh, when Bill Clinton was impeached, absolutely strict. It was a political impeachment brought on by the Republicans who feared him um, and with Trump. Whether you like it or not, whether you like him or not, I've told you many times, I don't agree with everything he did. But when he says something, it's, it's been backed up. So, you know, he was impeached purely on political means. Here in Oklahoma, there's a movement to impeach the State Department of Education direct, uh, superintendent because he's a radical, radical conservative. And, and you know, it's it, people... The radicals on both sides are driving the people in the middle out of the middle because they are being forced to take sides, which is a bad, bad, bad thing, in my opinion. So one last headline for the day. I don't usually I usually use two, but I had to point this out. And this one I was I was doing research for the for the last story on the impeachments. And I ran across a Fox News story blasting President Biden for not visiting the various 9-11 memorials on the 22nd anniversary of the the attacks. I believe that Biden probably should have been there. 
But Fox was upset that he gave a speech in, in Alaska instead of New York, the Pentagon, or, or in Pennsylvania. However, what they what they screwed up, and they, they used JFK's visit to the Arizona Memorial in 1963 as an example of what a president should do on solemn anniversaries. Um, however, they failed to mention that the, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor is December 7th. In 1963, JFK was assassinated on November 22nd about two weeks prior to the anniversary. So they never once mentioned that JFK visit took place in June of 1963, which was obviously not the anniversary. And this is an example of our biased politics, just not telling the same story. Okay, let's get back to social, social justice reform. So right before we went to the headlines of the day, I, I asked, so how do we get crime rates to mirror, mirror our population? And I wish I had an answer. So I'm not a social scientist or a psychologist, um, you know, but based on my experience in teaching and in policing, it comes down to parenting. So when I was on the police department, I was in the gang task force for a large part of my career. And very rarely did I come across a gang member who had lived with one or both parents. Almost 100% of the time, I don't know the exact statistic, but I bet it's easily 90% of the time one or both parents were incarcerated and one or both parents were gang members as well. You know, you know, this is very unfortunate, but it's true. And I can tell you when I was a kid, <clears throat> if my parents didn't keep me, keep up with me and keep after me to get my homework done, I wouldn't have done it. And as, as children and as human beings, we need people to hold us accountable. So we need a reason to be successful. Nowadays we hear from the media that these underrepresented communities want to be treated equal but what the media is really pushing is preferential treatment, and the radicals are really pushing preferential treatment on both sides. Um, for, and, and mainly they're pushing preferential treatment based on perceived injustices that are that are portrayed in the media. So as a teacher, you know, I overwhelmingly I see kids who do not do well in school are kids who also have unstable home lives. Um, that's with all kids, not just kids of color, every kid. I have a, a, a friend who is an art teacher at an inner city school here in, in the Oklahoma City area. And he, obviously, he, he's inner city. He teaches mostly African-Americans that make up the population. And he's also African-American. And he tells, he tells these kids, especially the males, he's like there is not a better time to be alive right now for an, for an African-American male because they have all kinds of opportunities right now, whether it be you know, um, college tuition or affirmative action for jobs. There's, there's just all, all kinds of incentives and, and help for, for African-American males. And, you know, like I said, I'm, like I said, that most kids that I see in school who do not do well in school have unstable home lives. And unfortunately, a lot of them, a lot of African-American and minority kids seem to be the kids who have unstable, unstable homes. So how would I fix that? One thing I think we need to do is provide trade training for all kids. It doesn't matter the color. All kids who come from low-income homes, whether you set a bar at whatever income you want, it doesn't matter to me. We need to have trade training for all kids who come from low-income homes. And that starts to break the cycle. You get if I have a kid who's a senior now, he goes straight into trade training and he comes from a low in, income home and it's paid for. He gets out, he gets a job. Guess what? His next generation, his kids, 
Now they're going to have it better than he had it. And that's all parents really want is they want their kids to be have it better than they had it. So if you if you just start now, then generations after, it may take two or three, maybe four generations for, to start the tide turning, right? And I think we need to demand prisoners be taught a trade while in prison. And I think graduation from these trade from these trade training programs should be mandatory for before release. So, you know, if you're sentenced to two years in prison and you take up a welding course, if you do not have the complete, if you haven't completed the training course prior to completing your sentence, you should be moved to a dormitory within the, within the prison and being, been given time to complete the course. Is that harsh? Probably, but you've got to start breaking the cycle for, for low income communities and, and the situation they're in. Um, as I said, I know people will, they, I hope you listen and you see it the way I see it, that I'm coming at you from, from a liberal point of view, but I just think we're, we've, we've been banging our heads against the wall, pointing to the wrong area to fix. So, you know, people will jump on me and call me racist. That, that is absolutely the furthest from the truth. So, um, I hope that I'm a teacher who inspires some of these under, underrepresented kids to break the cycle and do better for him or herself. Once again, hey, thank you for listening. Uh, in the next few episodes of the Liberal Conservative Podcast, we're going to tackle climate change, and then I'm going to get into some high-profile police use of force incidents where unarmed men and women were killed by the police. In some of these instances, I side with the police. In some of these incidents, I disagree with the force that was used. So I hope you'll join me. Once again, thanks for listening to the Liberal Conservative Podcast. I hope you continue to listen. Thank you.